We are Sarah and Laura. We are doulas, mothers, women, wives, and entrepreneurs. We love a lot of things. The gym, food, coffee, health, kombucha, our families, and our friends. We are so committed to being authentic, honest, and vulnerable and showing up here just the way we are. We promise to never positive wash anything, but please know that we are wholeheartedly committed to radically thriving. With this podcast, we hope to connect on a deeper level and talk about hard stuff. Ultimately, we want women and mothers to know deeply who they are and what makes them feel happy. Whether you're getting into a bath or taking us on a walk with you. Or maybe you're commuting to work. We are honored that you chose our podcast to listen to. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Laura. I'm sorry that I'm forcing you to do this again. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm drinking a delicious coffee you've made me. Oh, is it good? It's good. And I'm probably going to have to leave in 30 seconds to go to a birth. So this might end up just being you and... And my friend, Allie. <laughs> so Allie Timo is a brand manager, strategist, digital marketer, and coach on a mission to help purpose-led entrepreneurs turn their ideas into reality scale their businesses, and get shit done without the side of stress. Ooh, I love that part. She uses her unique approach of understanding human design, which we love, Mm -hmm. her passion of helping women, we also love women, live out their soul's purpose and fuses it with her love of storytelling, creativity, and connection to create impactful online brands that people love. Also, she's like one of the sexiest people on Instagram. Oh, uh, right. I yeah. think so. Sometimes I just watch her stories and I'm like, why am I turned Whoa. on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That is good stuff. So we met Allie for the first time, I think at a boss babe. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Blushing babe. Yeah. Blushing babes. Is that right? Okay. So we're going to say hi to Allie and we're just going to let this flow because I know it's just going to be juicy and good. Hi, Allie. <laughs> Hello, that was the best introduction. I should probably just add that little tidbit on the end of yeah. my, my also bio. Also, person on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, over life goals right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just divinely feminine and with a hint of tapping into that masculine. Also, you should <laughs> throw in your projector thing in there too. Oh, yes, that I'm a projector in human design. Yeah. Sarah always references that when we're talking about you. Yeah, I do. Yeah, you do. You always bring it up. Yeah, I'm always like her projector self. Yeah. <laughs> Allie and her projector self. That's what I say. It's good when you know that about It basically means I like to rest a lot and I really dive into self-care easily and effortlessly. <laughs> I like that. I love that. It's, it's good why I say it. I think what I'm talking about you is because it gives me like a pause after I say your name. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I envision you like embodied in this place of rest where you're like you do a good thing and then you're like that was good and then you just take a joy it and rest yeah I mean that's pretty oh, accurate <laughs> we're both Manny Jen I think. oh right or maybe I'm Manny Jen and you're I'm just Manny no yeah. I'm just a Jen uh, I'll look it up yeah I know what I am somewhere it's in a note we did a podcast once with Lindsay Martin's naturopath and she told us a bit about our designs and we talked about splenic things i'm a generator with sacral authority sarah's a manny gen with an emotional authority yeah yeah that authority piece does make you both very different yes yes it means that i take forever to make decisions and laura makes them instantaneously yeah also what does it say about me that i have 771 notes on my phone 
Is that a lot? <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit scared to see how many I have. Okay, <laughs> that'll make me feel better. So I would like to know. You can the tell inspiration me. flows and you just got to get it in the notes, you it know? Allie is the master of the positive reframe. Yes. Yeah. I told you last time we were together, I told you something that was like absolute garbage. And you were like, I actually don't know how to positively reframe that for you. <laughs> I remember that. I was like, there's no clean way that I can make you feel better right now. <laughs> Just got to feel your feels. Oh, that's good advice. It's always good advice. So where should we start with you? How did you become who you are? What oh led God. you on this path? Um, with the work that I do. Yeah. I mean, man, <laughs> I always, I never know at what point to start this conversation because I feel like it's like my whole life kind of led to this moment. Sure. But I mean, really, I spent the vast majority of my life telling myself a story that I wasn't good at anything, that I was just going to live a mediocre life. I just needed to find a job that would pay the bills. And like, that was that I was like, I have no special talents which my really looking back on is a sad way to be and to look at things, but I really truly believed that. So I kind of like just went and got my diploma and got a job and was deeply, deeply unhappy and unfulfilled. And through that really was working through like depression and anxiety and who am I and how do I make my life significant and all of these things. And in like the depths of that ultimately like discover that life coaching was even a thing and even existed so that really sent me down the path of like personal development and oh wow I really think that I could do this coaching thing so in 2014 I applied for my like to be a part of the coaching certification that I ended up taking which started in 2015 which was really like the birth of my business which was solely focused on like life coaching but then really naturally, I mean, it was like three years, but in a three-year time span naturally led me towards branching out from coaching and really helping women build their businesses and build their brands online and doing like copywriting. And um, I mean, everything that I do in regards to like brand management and brand strategy. And it was such a beautiful shift for me um, because I think it's so easy to feel really isolated when you're building your business because it's like, you're just alone in so much of it. So it's such a beautiful way where I could collaborate with other women and build something that felt really significant because the women that I work with typically are in the realm of like transforming somebody's life in some way or facilitating transformation. So it's like to actually feel like you're a part of something that has a ripple effect that has some kind of an impact was just so meaningful to me. And yeah, I mean, it, it kind of, I guess if we're going to, if we're going to reference human design, I'm splenic authority and splenic authority really means to deeply listen to your intuition. And when I look back at my path, I see all the ways that I ignored it. And then I see the distinct moments when I started listening, where like, that's when everything kind of fell into place because even the pivot in my business and branching out from just coaching to doing brand management, there was a lot of in that, that I resisted where I was like, oh, this will just be a thing that I do so I can build my coaching practice. Oh, like the imposter stuff that comes up, like, who am I really to be an authority in this space? 
And when I stepped back and I was like, wait, I'm attracting all of these incredible clients who I now realize are my ideal clients. Um, and it's happening really naturally and organically. Why am I resisting this? Like I should just actually embrace this. So I had to really get in tune with my body and where I was being led. And when I did that, my business grew significantly in the most beautiful and incredible ways I could have never imagined. Amazing. How, (laughs) how does motherhood come into play with all of this? You work with a lot of um, entrepreneurs, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And being a mom comes into so much of my journey because, so I applied for that coaching certification course in 2014 before I became pregnant with my daughter that fall. It was not, that was not in the plan. Um, So when that happened, I was like, oh my God, does this mean I can't do the thing that I feel like I'm being led to do? Like my purpose, it really sent me on this like identity crisis kind of a spiral. But I started that program when I was like three months pregnant and I was in the middle of a year long program and had my daughter. So it was like, I started my business and became a mother all in the same year. So there was a lot that I had to work through of like, who am I besides being a mom? Does this mean that all my dreams get put on the back burner? And like, this just isn't a thing anymore. How do I do both of it and succeed at both of it? And like, be who I actually am, which is this multifaceted human being who's capable of being a mom and a businesswoman and all of these things. So I had to get, I had to like dive into what that meant and also learn how to do all of it. How old is your daughter now? Yeah. So she's six, six and a half. Okay. And then my son is turning four in a few days. So we would have met you after your son was born. Yeah. I think he would have been like around six months old or something like that. Okay. I'm just in my mind's eye, I'm like remembering who you were then. And you're saying that's around the time when you were just dabbling in what it meant to be a brand strategist. Yeah. So that was really when I had pivoted my business away from coaching. But at that time, I was only saying I was a coach. Right. There was like a solid year, year and a half, even maybe like two years that I didn't market what I do. I didn't talk about it. Nobody knew I was just doing it like secretly behind the scenes, managing multiple businesses. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have some like thoughts about things I want to ask you about, but I also just want to like go where you feel like most juicy today. So like, what do you want to, what do you want to talk about? Yeah. I mean, I feel like the conversation around like how motherhood and business come together is a really interesting conversation because I do see, I see the ways that I limited myself Mm -hmm. in showing up. Well, a couple of things. I see the way that I held myself back from showing up. And I also see the ways that I felt guilty for like both sides, not spending the time on my business and then not spending the time with my kids and the surrender that needed to happen to really honor the season that I was in. I feel like there is a lot of 
different conversations around like you can be really successful and be a mom and that's true but also a lot of guilt that comes with like why isn't my business growing fast enough like I want to be with my kids like it's like sometimes there's this resistance for the season that we're in whereas like when I had my daughter for example I was like I know that I'm going to run a very successful company and I know that my business is going to succeed and I also know that right now in this moment all I want to do is be here and be a mom right now and it's okay if everything else is on the back burner. So it's like, I may have started my business in 2015 and it could not sustain me full-time until 2020. So it's like five years, but in that five years, I was prioritizing the season that I was in, which was being a mom and being with my kids and being okay with the fact that everything else was happening during nap times when they were in bed. It doesn't mean that I wasn't like growing fast enough. It just means like I had my priorities in check and I was totally okay with that. And I didn't have to buy into some kind of idea or notion that it had to happen quickly. And I had to experience quantum leaps. And if I wasn't doing that, then that meant that I wasn't like doing good enough or hadn't like hacked my energy well enough or whatever it is, you know? Okay. Let's dive in there. So quantum leaps and hacked your energy. These are like very coachy terms. Tell us about like, what is the coaching? What is coaching? What is the coaching industry that has like taken over the world? And what are some things that you love and despise about the whole thing? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you just covered her face. If you say anything that you regret, we can always cut it out. I will edit the podcast if I have to. (laughs) If I have to. (laughs) It rarely happens as in it's never happened. <laughs> but I will. <laughs> no, it's all good. I mean, like anything, there's pros and cons about everything. And then when it comes to the coaching industry, it's an industry that's still really much in its infancy. Like I only discovered coaching in 2013, which was it was a new thing then. So Okay, hold on. It's not a new thing in in a sense of like I have my level one, two, and three coaching from two thousand and two. Yeah. So there's like an old style coaching that was not therapy, but I feel like there's this revamp. That's what you're talking about. So what is that? Yeah, I mean, I I feel like there's a lot of distinctions between like what coaching is and what mentoring is. And there are a lot of coaches who are actually mentors who call themselves coaches. Um, and, and that doesn't mean it's like right or wrong. It just is how it is. But I think it does confuse what coaching and mentoring is in people's heads. So oftentimes you'll see people, people will hire a coach and have the idea of like, okay, I want you to tell me what to do. Like, tell me how to fix my life. Tell me this. And you might have somebody who's not trained to be a coach who might call themselves a coach who's like, okay, like, here's what I did, or like, here's my advice for you, um, and have more of a mentoring role. But what a coach does is actually guide somebody back to themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't know you better than you know you. And the insight and wisdom that you're looking for lives within you, but my job as a coach is just to guide you back to it. So it's more of an empowering place. So from a coaching perspective, 
I wouldn't want somebody to leave a contain a coaching container with me and think like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do without Allie? What am I going to do without having her advice or her guidance or her whatever? I would want them to leave that coaching container feeling really empowered and be like, I trust myself yes. more deeply than what I've ever trusted myself. I can more easily access my own wisdom. I have clarity. I know what to do from a place of like, I've been empowered to do that. Whereas what gets sticky and what I do see in the coaching space is a lot of things that are very disempowering. The whole idea that you need to rise to somebody else's energy or frequency in order to experience success is just not true. There is a lot of feeling of superiority that I can come across this feeling of like I'm on the pedestal and I've accessed so many layers of power that you haven't and because I have that you need to get into my space you need to calibrate to me if you want to experience life is what I'm sharing it on social media which is often an illusion not all the time but there is a lot of stuff that I see played out on social media which isn't true and that conversation is happening where like what's real on Instagram versus like what's actually happening in reality but it still gets messed up in our heads because it's what we're seeing all the time can I can I ask about the difference between coaching and like psychotherapy in your eyes because I have friends who are psychotherapists who get pretty worked up about the difference in cost between psychotherapy and coaching. I think I understand the difference, but I don't know how to explain it to people. Like, are you ever working with someone and you're like, no, you need to go see a psychotherapist. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely like, I'm not trained to work with like trauma, for example. And so it's for me to, for somebody to come to me and they are working through something like an eating disorder or um, like sexual assault or yeah. there's from their childhood that are coming up, like real traumas that they're working with. That is not in my scope of field. I think that like therapy and coaching can really work well in conjunction with each other. If that person is seeking out therapy and it's like known, you know what I mean? Like there, there are ways that that can even like get sticky in itself. Like a therapist might not necessarily agree that it's okay for them to work with a coach. You know what I mean? Like there's ways that it can work together and there's ways that it might not work. So I feel like that really comes back to the coach's own integrity to be able to like, because so often it's like, oh, the coaching industry, there's so many coaches now they're everywhere. And I just want to get clients. How do I get clients? And then they'll accept anybody and just keep them when they might have a client come in and then stuff comes up where they should be like, "Mm, you know what, this actually is out of integrity for me. This work is out of scope for me. I need to refer you out. I can find a therapist in your area. They're just completely different skill sets. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense to me. When you were talking earlier about needing to, for people to need to calibrate to your energy and that this belief that you'll be um, you'll fail without me. Um, I remember one of the foundations of the coaching I took was that the belief that everyone is naturally creative, resourceful, and whole. And whereas I feel like a tenet of therapy is more, this part of your life is, it has some brokenness and needs some healing. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I feel like both are true. We are whole and we need healing. You know what I mean? And even in the coaching space, 
there's a lot of healing that can be done. And it's like, even if I'm not diving into like the depths of somebody else's trauma, there are very real emotions that come up. So for me, for example, I specifically work with entrepreneurs, whereas it's like, you know, building a business is sometimes the greatest personal development journey you'll ever go on. So if you're launching something, there's a lot of stuff that can come up about like worthiness. Am I doing enough? Like, this is uncomfortable. I hate selling. Are people going to perceive me in a certain way? If somebody does judges you, the fear of judgment, all of that stuff that we can work through. And this is really like, I talk about brand strategy, but I also talk about like the real human stuff that goes along with that because you can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how, how can I support the human behind the business? So they feel empowered where they're working through the like shadowy aspects of whatever their fears are, whatever their doubts are. So it's like still that conversation happens and there's so much healing that comes in that space because again, as when you're facilitating a space where you're leading people back to their truth and back to the reality of like how powerful, capable and how much potential they hold, that's really healing for to see somebody like that and to be seen as that is incredibly healing. You're right. It's such a a messy distinction. Mm -hmm. And I think there's beauty in that. Like, I I don't think it has to be clear and you're right. Like I, I mean, we do coaching and especially around birth trauma. Um, I mean, I, I could tell myself that I'm not you know, I'm not a licensed therapist. Mm. Um, can I talk to people about birth trauma? I haven't experienced enough trauma. Well, I think we've experienced enough birth trauma. That's true. We've witnessed. Yeah. I don't know that that's, that's the part. (laughs) I think it's more in how to, to deal with and treat and that, that side of it. But I don't know. Then there's also the piece of, you know, when trauma is met with deep love and empathy and is heard, you know, and it can be like, do you remember when we were talking to Melanie and she said, like, sometimes things can be healed in an instant. Mm-hmm. And she, she gave this example of, you know, someone picks something up off the floor in a grocery store for you and gives it to you and something in you heals because a belief of yours is challenged. And I mean, we really, I don't know that we have it dissected about, oh, this person has this credential, so they're allowed to heal you. I I hear the therapist's frustration. They've done oodles of years of school, but like, we're just in a different space now where I don't know that necessarily the universities hold all the power to say, I now deem you, have you read these papers and these textbooks? I massaged someone a few weeks ago who told me her birth story. Uh, It was my first time meeting her. And she had had a cord prolapse. And so they had broke her water, the cord came out and they rushed her into putting her under general for a C-section. And I reflected to her that that must've been incredibly scary and listened to her talk about it. And she was like, her birth was four years ago. She was like, you are the first person who hasn't dismissed my trauma. That's wild, eh? Everybody else she had spoken to about it had been like, well, thank God you're okay. Like, at least you're alive. At least you're alive. Like, you were in the hospital. You were in the right place. Like, oh. God, thank God you didn't have a home birth. Like, so many things like that, but nobody had just listened to her and heard her. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, huh, that was really interesting that not everybody knows how to talk to people like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, and a lot of what I've experienced too with the women that I work with is that, um, 
we all have blocks around receiving. Mm-hmm. And like, this is where like that wounded feminine energy comes into play where it's like, we're so used to being the martyrs. We're so used to being the caregivers that it's really uncomfortable sometimes for us to like fully receive. So when you say yes to like being supported in whether it's like a coaching space or with your business or whatever it might be, you're opening up yourself to receive like support in a way that maybe you've never had access to before. So then when you have that space to like be seen, be heard, be understood, it's like, it's like, holy, holy shit, (laughs) you know, it unlocks something in us where we do feel, I don't know, like that validation or like that permission or just that even acceptance and forgiveness for pieces of ourselves. When are our feminines getting wounded? Like you have a daughter. Like life. Like (laughs) I noticed this the other day. This is maybe an in reverse, but it made me realize how I perpetuate something. So my son's downstairs yesterday and he is talking to me and I'm like, dude, your breath is stank, rank, disgusting. Go upstairs and brush your teeth. (laughs) And it didn't strike me until later in the day that I was like, if he was my daughter, I would not have said that that way. Really? I tell my kids their breath things all the time. I think I would have said it. <laughs> no, I don't. I think I still would have like in a different it. way. Yeah. I would have said it in a different way. I would have said, Hey honey, your breath, you need to go brush your teeth. Like, I just think that I know in myself, if a, a girl was in front of me who we know feels more sensitivity about the way they look and appear to the world, because that's what we value about girls Mm -hmm. and women, that then I would have been more sensitive to that. And in that perpetuated that somehow bad breath was a character flaw instead of just, dude, you haven't brushed your teeth since last night. I think I'm a bad mom. No, you're not. I literally tell them their breath smells like ass. Amazing. (laughs) Cause nobody lets friends have ass breath. Fair enough. I love it. But I think that like so much of that wounded feminine is like generational trauma. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, like in generations. Our bodies, like as soon as we're born and we have to work through that level of conditioning. And yeah, I mean, you can be as like conscious as you want about it, but there's still like all of these outside factors that come into play for sure. But mm-hmm. I'm very excited. Like my daughter is a manifester and so she has like such a fiery energy she knows exactly what she wants and she's not afraid to tell somebody about it and she's like her confidence level is just so high and I feel like it is my like sole purpose on this planet to like just protect that and it's exhausting so I'm but then I have these fears of like oh my god how is the world gonna dampen this and I did see like we had this experience where we ended up switching schools, but the school that she was at, I could really see the ways that her spirit was being dampened. Like, like we had an experience where every morning she would cry. And when I picked her up, she would cry. And it was like, I could see parts of her soul just being like picked apart and picked apart. And I was like, how do I stop this from happening? Because it was like a very visceral experience yeah scary so so yeah I mean it happens at all levels and all sorts of weird ways that we are still trying to like unpack because we don't know um more on the feminine masculine do you do you find um that you analyze 
which parts of you are feminine and masculine, which parts of your day are, I mean, this is new-ish for me, the idea of like structure being more masculine and flow being more feminine. Um, yeah, talk to us a bit about like flow and mm. structure and alignment and that kind of thing. Hmm, I should share, there's a post that I had written a, a while ago, which kind of like demonstrates masculine qualities versus feminine qualities. And it's like, I feel like how society and the world is functioning. I mean, it still does, but it's like leaned heavily into the masculine, the idea of like the hustle culture and things like that. And then we were so in that direction. And now everything seems to be going to the polar opposite of like, just be full in alignment and flow and like, let the downloads come through and be really creative and la 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 la. Or it's like both of them coming together is actually where like the sweet spot happens. So I definitely have multiple different containers in my life that I'm very intentional about in what energy I'm calling through. So I know my business, for example, requires me to be more in my masculine because I'm leading other people. Um, there is like a lot of structure and planning and strategy and being more like logical and like, okay, let's get shit done. There is also the element of my work that's like very creative. So it's like, I have to have these different containers for like, okay, when is that more masculine vibe, I guess, happening versus when I'm going to set aside time for creation and creativity and flow and just for ideas to kind of come through and to be with that. But because I'm so much in my masculine in my business, I'm very conscious of being more in my feminine in my marriage and in my relationship. Okay. Where then my husband gets to be in his divine masculine and then I get to be in receivership of him leading me and supporting me and taking care of me, which involved a lot of communication. <laughs> like, because again, my tendency was to like, people please be the martyr, take care of everybody else, everything, la, 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 make sure everyone else is taken care of and I'm last. And that led me to a space where I was in complete and total burnout. So it was like, there was definitely a huge process that was very conscious and I was very aware of like, I see the ways that my feminine is very wounded where I'm not open to receiving how, how do I create more harmony between these two different energies that live within all of us? Whoa. Okay. So I'm trying to slow that down a little bit and um, like things happening in my brain. Um, <laughs> yeah. Can you say more about that? Like, um, so you're saying that a, a woman in her, truest most divine femininity is a place of receivership like fem the feminine energy is definitely more about receiving energy and then what does that make the mass masculines a giving and like leading 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 okay that's how i see it like giving and leading for mm -hmm. sure and so like can you give me an example of like what it looked like in the gross people pleasing, martyring, caring, and then what it looks like now in like a mm. actual family household, tangible, it's 4 p.m. kind of example. Yeah, for sure. So it's like, if I was working all day and in that masculine energy, then what that was, what was happening is that was carrying through to the entire rest of my day. So 4 p.m., let's say work ends. And then I'm like, okay, what's for dinner? I got to start like prepping dinner. Um, what's happening with the kids? How are they being organized? 
like getting like bedtime, making sure everything's set up for the next day. It's like all the household logistics. And even if the kids were going to their grandparents' house, like packing the bags and making sure that every little logistical step was taken care of and handled so that my husband, I could just be like, everything's done. Everything's mm-hmm. taken care of. It's like, oh, cool. You know what I mean? Like we fall into that as mothers because we don't ask for help. Yeah. We want to be superwomen. We want to take care of it all of our, all ourselves. And then also our husbands at the end of the day are like, Hey honey, do you want to like have sex? You know? Yeah. And then you're like, great. Like now I have to go and like automatically slip into this really feminine role of like being like sexy. It's like, no, I'm fucking tired and I'm burnt out because I'm operating so heavily in this other energy and I'm not feeling supported. I'm not feeling taken care of. And I, like, I don't feel sexy because I've, I, there is in no space throughout my day was I receiving anything at all. Okay. And I can even see how that could translate to like, okay, so you're in this snippy energy and you even start, um, delegating and then that doesn't work or that's, yeah. yeah. And that doesn't work either. No. Right. Where you're giving him all these like micro to-do lists that, Cause like in here in the first do one, this, chop the peppers this way, yeah. do that. Yeah. But in the first example you give, it's like, I can see that's how my, um, like some women in my life w- would like me to be is like, oh, I took care of all the things because that's what they do. Oh yeah. Well that's, that's, I know what generation you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, <laughs> yeah, I can see how like behind the scenes that turns into like, can you just help me out? Can you see this? Can you do that? And then that still doesn't lead to good juicy energy in the evening. Well, it's like that, the projection of like having these expectations placed upon you on this is how a woman should be. It's like, well, just because you chose to suffer (laughs) doesn't mean that I automatically have to. So it's really uncomfortable if you have put your, if you've victimized yourself and put yourself in this role of like being the martyr and taking care of every, everybody. And then making that mean that like you're special because you did that. Mm -hmm. or you're like better because you were able to handle it it's like how well did you really handle it well and I can see where it comes from a little bit in the sense that if we go back to a single income like pre-war post-war kind of well no because in the war I mean there would have been women going to work because their husbands are poor but anyway let's talk about a single income where there's the work day and there's the at-home day then there's this idea that, okay, well, I take care of the home front and the children, you take care of the work stuff. With that being changed, then there needs to be an overhaul. But what you're saying is like, there are some days, yeah, I'm so interested in how this breaks down because you're saying a work day, but not necessarily like you're working nine to five Monday to Friday. You're saying I had a work day on a Wednesday because that was my work day. What does this look like on a Tuesday at 4 p.m. when it's been a mom and kids kind of day? Yeah. So work. I think that that's definitely the piece where you have to be really in tune and really in touch with your own feelings and to be able to like communicate them. Right. So this isn't about all of a sudden you slipping into like receivership isn't like, hey, honey, do this, do this, do this. No, it's like. I'm like feeling really overwhelmed and stressed right now. Like, can you help me out? Or like, can, like, can you help me with dinner? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, if you're in a relationship and let's say it's a 
a relationship between a man and a woman, which is not always the case, but like, that's my experience. So that's what I'll speak into is that if I'm communicating that I'm feeling a certain way, my husband automatically, and if it's not good, my husband wants to correct it. Like he wants me to feel good. He wants to take care of me, but I have to empower him to do that. And that means like communicating my feelings, not just dictating like, Hey, I need you to do this, do this, do this. It's like, I really want to feel taken care of right now. And in this moment, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. Um, and then, you know, it might be like having a conversation prior to when I'm feeling overwhelmed, what would be supportive for me is that you take over dinner or you tell me, I need you to tell me to go take a bath. I need you to tell me to go and do this thing for myself because it's difficult for me to tell that to myself mm-hmm. because I still fall into these patterns of I'm going to self-sacrifice because that's what a good mom does. Mm-hmm. My husband was so confused when I told him that I need him to tell me to go for a walk. He was like, you can go for a walk whenever you want. And I'm like, no, I need you to want for me to go for a walk. Tell me about like, what about men in their feminine? And how does that, like, we're talking a lot about us in our masculine. What about men in their feminine? What does that look like? How does that play out? And like, how do you give them, them permission to be in that space? Yeah. And I mean, there's there's so much to even like to unpack within like the wounded masculine to feel like you need to be emotionless or unaffected by your emotions the idea of like resiliency means disconnection from your emotions like that's like resiliency is your ability to connect and process your emotions you know like that makes you more resilient not ignoring and avoiding them but to be a man it's like don't show emotion like show up, like be logical all the time. So to empower more men to be just even more like the the main thing that's coming into my mind is for them to actually have space to like be themselves, for them to be seen, heard and understood in the full like vastness of who they are, which means like the depth, but so often we don't even allow them to access that because that means they're not like being a man enough. So are we saying that emotions are, are uh, not feminine or, or masculine? I mean, I think emotions are just human, obviously. Like, I don't think it's, because I think that some, if you're like just labeling it as like emotions are feminine or emotions are masculine, I think like that can get misconstrued in itself where it's just like emotions are human, yeah. but like going into the space where you're processing your emotion does feel more of like a feminine energy to me because- emotions are not logical. There's no structure to emotions. There's no like task list. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like sometimes, like oftentimes the best thing that you can do with emotions is not process them or figure out like, how do I deal with this or what do I do? It's just feeling them, which involves a lot of surrender. And that surrender energy feels very feminine to me. Yeah. That's gold. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Okay. So now, um, you you're doing, let's do the 4 PM where, or you're saying that could just look like him helping you with dinner, but like, what else take that further, take us all the way to the part where you're like a, yes, I would love to have sex with you tonight place. Yeah. How do we get there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just asked how we have sex with you. It's fine. <laughs> Like, how do we, how do we get you in bed? 
I feel like as a mom, it's very, uh, it can be so complicated because still at the end of the day, you have to do the bedtime and the things and you can still just be like, I'm just tired. And that it's like, so what I'm working through now within my relationship and my marriage is just like more intimacy that doesn't necessarily lead to sex. So it's like, how can we even like be naked and touch each other, but like set the container of like, that's just for intimacy and connection and maybe to like build tension and not necessarily like, okay, let's, we haven't had sex in a while. So let's like take that off the list. So there's that piece. There's the other piece of like, sometimes it needs to be scheduled. And then sometimes it's just communicating like, hey, I'm really desiring to be like, led in this way this is how I like I want you to initiate Mm. you know what I mean and I mean it kind of goes across your like preferences so what I've been diving into is like power dynamics in in like sex and with my husband where it's like I prefer to be more submissive and I like him in a more dominant role that could be different like there could be a woman who prefers a more dominant role and like the there's no like right or wrong. It's just personal preference and like what your kink is basically. Um, But for, for even for us to identify of like, Hey, I prefer to be in this role during sex. And I prefer you to take on more of like a dominant role. I want you to lead me then like even just setting that and having that communication automatically allows me to surrender more into that, into that space. So it's like, that's a space where you can like really go deep in your like feminine. Is Gary going to listen to this podcast? No, Gary's never listened to the podcast. I'm, I'm just thinking <laughs> a time when you're going to use words like lead me and surrender with Gary <laughs> and just like how that would go. Because <laughs> please record it. <laughs> <laughs> Literally all I think about anymore is Yellowstone and Casey. So I- <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is hot. <laughs> Have you watched Yellowstone Alley? Yes, I was really disappointed by this latest season. And I'm bitter okay, about it. I'm not there. We're not there yet. So don't oh, we're just, I just finished the second season last night. Yeah, which is great. I love those seasons. Oh, <laughs> no one's going to get bad. Yellowstone is the new porn. It really is. Yeah. Mm. Like the scenes between Casey and Monica is like so. He's intimate. leading her. Oh, he's leading her. And yeah. it's, but like. It's also just feels a bit new to me in a Hollywood space to be that like vulnerable and intimate. Like when she's like, look at me and the way she mm. seems on her like holding this arm. It's like, yeah. it doesn't have anything to do with like thrusting. It's just like so connected. So beautiful. Yes. I like, I was witness to an experience mm. where there was somebody who is just like accessing their sensuality in such a beautiful way. And then they, and then somebody else just had like a feather and they were just like putting it over their body and it wasn't leading to sex, but it was like a very sensual erotic moment. And I was like, oh my God, like, I want to be just naked and have someone like put a feather over my body without (laughs) my baby, you know what I mean? Which is like, there's so much surrender that you get to like play with in that space. I definitely think that using sex as a way to like evolve who you are or just like play with different aspects of yourself is so powerful I feel like there's so much that we can access there that like 
we don't necessarily talk about because it feels like taboo or we don't know how to do it. I feel like we need a part two for oh, like um, hump club. Hump club. Did, did you hear we're going to have hump club? So we have no, hump club, we have baby club and Laura named um, <laughs> sex club is going to be hump club. <laughs> Obviously it's going to be on a Wednesday. Yeah, it makes sense. Why not? Right. So most of the people who listen to our podcasts, I would assume a lot of them have younger babies than even the three of us. So what would you suggest as like a first step? Like your baby's six months old. Maybe you've had sex a couple times since the baby was born. Maybe you haven't at all yet. How, what advice would you give for like tapping into that sensuality, that femininity? Well, and I feel like, can I, can I add a PS to the question? Yes. Um, Cause I feel like there's also a part where you're like, there's a cost to being sensual and feminine that's like this bitterness like well and then he's gonna get rewarded for it or like I'm doing this because he wants more Mm. rather than it being like this is a win-win or this is for me yeah like how do we turn on our gas I feel like when I was in that depth of motherhood and even like as my kids got older one of the biggest and most impactful things that I did was center myself It was like, you know, if I'm getting everything that I need, then what does that mean? And it's like, oh, that actually means that everyone else wins, that my kids get a more present mom, that I'm more present in my marriage and my relationship. And just, I feel better in my life. It's like, if I win, everybody wins. So if that means that like, because so often it's like, we feel like we need alone time to take care of ourselves. And one of the biggest shifts I did was I was giving myself what I needed when I was around my kids. So if I wanted to bring in more play into my life, then like, did that mean that I needed to have like a kitchen dance party with my kids and like evoke play in that way? If I was frustrated, did that mean that I needed to scream into my pillow? And then thereby, like, if I saw my kids being frustrated, invite them to do that same thing. So they had an example of what it looked like to emotionally regulate and to not feel like how I was feeling was shameful or bad. If I wanted to like meditate, could I invite them to do that? Even if it was messy and only 30 seconds, you know what I mean? Could I create containers where I was inviting my kids to do things with me instead of always needing to do it just by myself and alone? And that didn't mean that I didn't need alone time. I still did, but just like that I wasn't compartmentalizing all of these different aspects of who I was, was very freeing and liberating to me. And even in the space of sensuality, isn't it okay to just be like, Hey babe, I want you to grab a feather. And I just want this to be about me and my pleasure. And I want to be centered. And this has nothing to do with me. I want you to focus on pleasure for me. And that's it. Okay. But back up. How do you even decide that you even want pleasure? Like I'm thinking six month old, you're so dry that you're, you're not in a spot where you're like, Oh, pleasure sounds really good. What sounds really good is all those other things you're talking about, like, um, alone time and sleep. Like we're talking about the time where the moms are fantasizing about getting in a minor car accident and being in the hospital for three days for a break. (laughs) I have been there. I have been there. We all have. That is so real. We're like, I just want to be in a little bit of a coma. Like I want to be a little one. Yeah. yeah. I want to be mildly sick or no, like severely enough sick that I just get sent upstairs and I have permission to cancel everything. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. In that space, like, then it's just saying like, I need to be alone. Yeah. You know I mean? It's like, yeah. I need to 
like have a shower and not have somebody banging at the door because they need something. I need to, to be able to say that, I think, like, I think about me in that space, which is a completely different me than now, because I did not readily ask for what I needed at all. I was very much like, oh, hey, husband, what do you need? Because I know that this is really hard for you and I can handle it. I can suffer for a little while, but I know you can't. And it's like, why the fuck do I have to suffer? And then I'm prioritizing your needs. Like who's prioritizing mine? No, so it's like, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so we have to like advocate for ourselves. They have no idea that like, they know the intensity of being a dad and being a parent, which is very intense, but being a mother is on a whole different level, especially, you know, me in that phase, I was breastfeeding. My kids never took a bottle. My kids were waking up every two hours. I didn't get a four hour stretch of sleep for like six months. Mm-hmm. Like it was So like, I had no capacity for anything at all. Mm -hmm. So maybe like intimacy was just like, Hey, can you hold me while I cry? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like, and it's like, I just need you to not ask anything of me, or I just need you to not touch me because I'm so touched out Mm -hmm. and I need you to be with the kids. So I can just be in our room for half an hour, an hour, and just lay and stare at the ceiling. Your writer culture prioritizes what the men need. Cause I can even hear the women who have had the conversation with us. It's mm-hmm. like, but what if he leaves me? But what yeah. if he doesn't get what he needs? But what if he's like, what if he's we, tired from work? What if he hasn't had sex with me in this much time? Yeah. And it's just the conversation. What if you always... haven't wanted to have sex in that much time? That says more about him than it does you, doesn't it? Maybe he needs to pick it up. I mean, just the, the, the conversation is framed around his needs, right? Yeah, but we don't even communicate our own. No. We don't even say like, hey, I'm so touched out or like I'm desiring like intimacy, but I don't even know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm feeling really worn out. I'm feeling whatever, whatever it might be. And then it's like, we don't even empower them to step into their divine masculine that wants you to feel good. Because we're not even communicating it. We're just like, it's easier for me not to even do this. I'm just going to do the laundry. I'm just going to pick up this because like, then I have to tell them how to do it or whatever, or they don't do it correctly. Mm. You know, we're like busy, like micromanaging and trying to control everything and take care of everybody. And it's like, you're always going to feel that way if you don't change your circumstances too. So there's a, a level of personal responsibility. I think that we also need to take as mothers And that really involves looking at our own conditioning and what we feel like, what it means to be a good mom or a good wife or a good woman. Yeah. Nobody's coming to save us. No. And, and that sounds to me like some pausing and assessment of our own mothers and mother-in-laws and grandmothers, sister-in-laws, sisters, Mm -hmm. aunts to say, like, whoa, what was I raised in? How do I pause this and look at what do I actually want and how can I keep myself accountable to that? And then, man, the amount of healing, like wounded feminine, wounded masculine, there's so much there. Yeah, and I think it's like, it's a big topic and there's so many nuances to it. So if you were just to start with like, how am I feeling and what do I need? And then how can I, how can I communicate that? like that's it if you were to just wake up and ask yourself those three questions every single day 
you would transform your life in some way because we don't ask that. We get up and we go and we do. We so don't. What's the third? How am I doing and what do I need? What's the third one? How am I feeling? And like, how do I communicate? Either how do I give that to myself or how do I communicate that to somebody else? Whoa. Um, okay. Let's, um, I feel like there's so many more things we could get into, but um, let's definitely schedule a 2.0 for this. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to put you on the spot here. If you could have a billboard, what would it say? <laughs> <laughs> I love that we never prep anyone for this question. It's the worst. <laughs> I, I should have listened to more. It's so mean. <laughs> Your legacy. Oh gosh, my legacy. Yeah. Um, man. <sighs> I mean, it's all like coming around the same kind of, I don't know, like to be audacious enough to be mm. you, mm. you know, to like be unapologetically you. Mm. I think we carry so much shame and judgment of ourselves that if we just entered into a space of acceptance and just giving ourselves permission to be fully expressed as who we are, there would be so much empowerment and liberation there. And we'd also discover just how awesome we are, you know? I like it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, I feel like that's definitely like if, if anybody were to come in my orbit and take one thing away, that would be the one thing is that they walk away just being like, wow, I, there's, I have so much potential. There's so much possibility for me and I'm amazing and capable of all of it. I love it. And so it is. <laughs> so it is. Written in Do, do, do. <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you for being here, Allie. Thank you for having me. I love you both so much. We oh, love you. I love you. Also, your hair looks perfect again, as usual. I'm always <laughs> sending Allie Instagram messages about how cute her hair always looks. <laughs> it honestly made me so happy. I was like, really? <laughs> it always does. It looks so nice. It holds a curl perfectly. It really does. Yeah. She's like, I woke up like this. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> Thanks. That's reassuring. <sighs> oh. Thanks for being here. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. You too. Okay. See ya. We would just love it if you would take the time to leave us a five-star rating, a review. If you'd subscribe to our show, you can screenshot it while you're listening to us and even share it on the gram. Remember, you are important too. Disclaimer, we are not medical professionals. Everything said here is our own opinion and not to be taken as medical advice. We do not take any responsibility from the outcomes of you taking our advice. Please seek medical advice from your trusted healthcare professionals.